Just like, uh, like, you, like you devastate a city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people. I mean, it's just like, like you put all the offensive players in one bag and I just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag. So each time he came over there, I tried to tear his damn head off. Let's play some football! Let's play some football! The pressure is on. This is Off the Edge on Tide 100.9. Focus on what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You've got to put yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the National Championship Trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish. They're going undefeated and winning the national championship. Streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Hello there, good morning, welcome in to Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Jacob Harrison here with you, digital managing editor at Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. Mason Woods across the glass helping us out today. Going to have a good time. Even though somebody stole the, the comfort pen out of the Tide studio, I just broke the glass to my vape. But, hey, them's the brakes. I'm going to run that joke into the ground. Into the ground. That is the funniest thing I have heard all day. If you know what I'm talking about, you know how funny it is. If you don't, just just look it up because it it's just the funniest thing ever. We're going to talk with Joey Blackwell in about 11 minutes, get his thoughts on realignment, but also what we're going to talk about today in the first segment. Our friends over... At Front Office Sports, uh, Amanda Kristovich, who we've had on this show before, 
Always good conversations with her. Recap. Well, they've done a, a couple series of recapping the the first year of NIL, but she got into some legal things concerning NIL. And I know Gary was talking about, he had asked uh, Mason if the government was going to get involved in NIL. And there's a, there's a legitimate answer to that question. And the answer is yes. And the answer is the government can really stick it to the NCAA again. But them's the brakes. Good luck, NCAA. Good luck. You know, yesterday we put the death nail in the Pac-12. They're dead. Death nail. We don't do, we don't put forks in them. Not on this show. It's death nails. Your coffin is closed. You're done. The Pac-12, dead. The NCAA, well on their way. Listen to some of these, right? And this is just a portion of her article. I tweeted it out on my Twitter account, at OTE. If you want to check the full thing out, strongly, strongly suggest uh, checking out front office sports on a regular basis, to be honest. Uh, a lot of things that people tend to overlook in the world of sports, especially when it comes to the NCAA and college athletics, because there's so much legality in this sport now. But here's just four bullet points. At the bottom of this article, in Johnson versus NCAA, athletes could be awarded collective bargaining rights, which would likely end the NCAA's business model of amateurism altogether. A collective bargaining agreement? First of all, NCAA, or excuse me, EA Sports College Football 23 is singing the praises if this thing could get passed before that game comes out. We've only got a year to wait, guys. Just one more year. We can do this. It's going to be a long year, isn't it, Mason? <laughs> it's going to, they're going to ruin it. They're not. No, we're, we're going to keep positivity. <laughs> we're going to keep our positivity. It's a very hard thing to do when we're talking about EA. <laughs> it is. It is. They, they did just kind of slap single player games across the face. But that's what that would do, basically. It basically would unionize the players and allow them to do things in a way that can protect themselves as well as make sure that if there is anything where all players should be, should be able to profit, they will be able to such as being in a football game, such as uh, television agreements. Yeah. We're going to get to that one here in just a minute. It's also likely, this is a second bullet point. It's also likely a booster or a collective could wage a lawsuit against the NCAA. If it attempts to bar them from doing deals altogether. So if you don't like collective, uh, or if, you, if you don't like NIL collectives, too bad. If you don't think that boosters aren't investing, we're going to get into that in a minute, too bad. The reality is, is that those people are the ones giving the funds out on, on the large scale, a big portion of that $900 million that Gary uh, alluded to earlier. Big portion of that, boosters, collectives. What are you going to do? And... The third bullet point, athletes could file Title IX cases against schools that don't offer equal education resources. That one is a given. Uh, I know Jeff came came on the show yesterday and was hollering about Title IX. There's a point there, right? If you're not giving an equal opportunity to your athletes, you got a problem. Not all players will earn equally, but they all need equal opportunities. Same goes for education, of course. Here's the final one. The House versus NCAA could case could take longer, but its decision could be pivotal. 
Former athletes could claim damages against the governing body because they played in the pre-NIL era, plus NIL could be expanded to include the use of athletes' NIL during televised games, meaning they could get a piece of media rights revenue. Sound the alarms, because what is what have we been talking about the past week? The past week, what have we been talking about? Media rights. I mean, even going back to like when all this was starting a year ago, this was point. These were points that we kind of talked about. You know, well, maybe there's something that's going to be figured out with the TV rights and how that money is divvied out. You know, these are things that we've kind of been on for a while now. I mean, because think about it, think about it, real, real shallow. That's how. That's how hard you have to think about it. Real shallow. What is the first thing they do in a college football broadcast after the kickoff? They show everybody's picture in the starting lineup. Then they use fancy graphics of these players' image and likeness to prove points and to show stats and keys to the game and and whatever else. Not to mention the fact that they're blowing up these faces in close-up shots during the game. And you'll say, well, that's all part of it, isn't it? It is. That's exactly the point. I challenge anybody to look at any of these four points and say, oh, the NCAA could win that. (laughs) No, they can't. No, they can't. Look, a lot of people are justifiably upset with the Supreme Court in recent weeks. For a lot of different reasons, not just the big one, right? But you remember a year ago when I was on this show praising the words of Brett Kavanaugh? I know we don't all see eye to eye on a lot of these things, but if I am praising the words of Brett Kavanaugh because of how he eviscerated the NCAA with facts, because it's possible, you don't have to always agree with somebody all the time, they can bring facts to the table and win arguments. And that's what Brett Kavanaugh did last year. He destroyed the NCAA in the matter of about eight words. They're going to do the same thing in all of these cases, dude. It, it's it's so, so bad right now for the NCAA. The collective bargaining right, it's a given. It is a given. You want fairness in the NIL world? That's as close as you're going to get to it, is unionizing these players. And, yeah, that makes it professional off the bat. But we're talking about a million, soon-to-be billion-dollar industry in college athletics because of football, Jeff. It it is what it is at this point. We are consuming content from these athletes that they themselves produce. That is work, that is effort that should be compensated by more than just a scholarship, by more than just a stipend. Because it produces so much on its own. This city is it's it, it, this city's economics is built on Saturdays in the fall. Can it exist without it? Of course, absolutely. It it can. There's there's thousands of cities across the country that do it without it. But that would be a very different Tuscaloosa than if we you, have currently. Well, right. If you took it away, completely different. I remember how terrified we were in 2020, right? Like, come on. The, the economy was already kind of bad, you know, just because of the pandemic itself. You know, you take away that. Ooh, boy. No, thank you. Do You sit back and look at what these players are owed. 
Now, I'll, I'll agree a little bit with Mason because we were talking about this before the show. I don't know about pre-NIL era. Like, you know, not, like, you know, Martin deserves his. Jay deserves his. Like, you know, but it's it's long past due. And if you're going to do that, you got to be willing to give Reggie Bush's Heisman back. And you got to be w- willing to compensate for those that you punished under these rules, to be honest. That's a lot of cases. This is a lot of players we're talking about, right? And... If that's the one that sends the NCAA under, I'm not going to feel bad. But you also don't want to have a case where you say, "Yes, you do have to, you, you do have to uh, give back to those players that have played in the past." But you want those players to actually get their recompense. You don't want them to just be like, "Oh yeah, we won," and get nothing because the NCAA literally could not afford to do that. As much money as it has, and and the, the opening of a salary within the, the next calendar year, no, it, 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 it's not really feasible at that point. So collective bargaining agreements, if collectives themselves are going away, if athletes can get NIL revenue based off of media rights, look, Amanda points it out earlier in the article about how We've learned a lot about NIL, but there's still no structure. <laughs> there's still so much unknown to this, right? It was a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Miami and a big gray area situation in which they had an athlete that chose them instead of a bigger NIL deal, which admits that he already knew about prior NIL deals before he announced his commitment, which would be, in turn, against the rules. But how do you actually enforce that? And how much of a gray area should that be acknowledged as since he took less money? It's a bizarre, bizarre world. And it's all the NCAA is doing. We've, we've harped on this before. The NCAA's inability to control itself. The fact that this realignment thing is happening and the NCAA has got no say-so in it. The NCAA has no say-so in its product. You realize... Can you imagine if the NFL had to deal with something like this? The New England Patriots want to play in the NFC for some reason. I don't know. Well, I, let's take an NFC team that has marginal playoff hopes. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. Let's say the Saints want to move to the AFC because it would be easier to make the playoffs this year. The, the NFC is tough. <laughs> but I want to move to the AFC South because I can win that division. Sorry, Mason. I mean, that was just rude. (laughs) I mean, let's just take a step back. What's the weakest division in the NFL right now? The AFC South. The NFC Beast is pretty bad. The The NFC East? The NFC Beast. I I would wholeheartedly say the AFC South is considerably worse. (laughs) The Texans, Jags, and uh, who's the other teams in that division? The Colts Colts? Titans. Yeah, the Colts aren't going to do much. They got a good roster. That doesn't Based mean on much. a quarterback. Anyway, let's say the Saints wanted to move to the AFC because it'd be easier to make the playoffs, right? And not to say that's why the why Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC because that ain't it. But you know, you've got incentive there for these college teams. It's money for the NFL. It'd be more of a competitive thing because everybody gets money in the NFL. You realize if the NFL had no say so if if, <laughs> if they did that. 
because it was up to the AFC commissioner and the NFC commissioner, which don't exist. You realize how silly that would be? And there's somebody in their car saying, Jacob, that's apples and oranges. It is, to a degree. The point of the comparison, because that's what comparisons are, it doesn't mean they're apples to apples all the time, is the NCAA has no control over its product. None. Zero. And it is losing more and more control by the day. This, this EA Sports game that I keep alluding to, NCAA is not a part of it. It will not be in the title of the game. It will not be licensed. Any of that. EA Sports is licensing with each individual school. You imagine if EA Sports did that with the NFL? It, it just licensed with the 32 teams themselves, but not with the collective uh, of the NFL and not with the NFL Players Union, but it still got Tom Brady and pa- uh, Patrick Mahomes on it? Come on, that'd be bizarre. It'd be absolutely bizarre, but that's exactly what can happen in college football because there is no structure, because there is no basis of a unified thing. The college football playoff determines who is the college football champion, and it is a separate entity from the NCAA. They are not conjoined. They are not of the same being. ESPN and Fox are ruling college football right now because they wield all the power of the media rights. The NCAA is useless, and it's not dead yet. (laughs) Death nail it. It's done. We'll be back on the other side with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central next here on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Hello, this is Martin Houston with Awakening. The team and I would like to invite you to this monthly community-wide praise and worship service featuring intimate worship and powerful preaching of God's Word. Please join us at the link at 610 Watermelon Road, Northport, Alabama, or watch online at Empowerment Ministries on Facebook. That's Awakening, powered by Empowerment Ministries, the third Thursday every month at 6.30 p.m. Please pray for us and join us if you can. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid summer afternoon. A few spots could see a thunderstorm through the evening hours. The high today, 95. Tonight's low, 76. For tomorrow, partially sunny. A chance of scattered afternoon thunderstorms again. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Off the Edge on Tide 100.9.
here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. That time on a Thursday, head out to the phone line, welcome in our friend Joey Blackwell at Blackwell Sports on the Twitter account, beat writer for Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Joey, what's going on, buddy? Doing well, Jacob. How are you this Thursday? Well, you know, (laughs) you've been on my Twitter timeline. (laughs) (laughs) That shows how bored I've been. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, you know, busting the take on my vape absolutely ruined my whole day. But, you know, a, a, as I said, them's the breaks. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. I did want to, for those for those who are curious, why I was on Jacob's timeline, I saw his NCAA story that he had, they had retweeted out. And uh, my alma mater, Birmingham Southern, their logo is, oddly enough, right next to Houston. And there's Tennessee. And I'm like, why is Birmingham Southern on there? But... I'm glad to see some D3 schools getting some representation on that. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on up, <laughs> Birmingham Southern. Uh, Birmingham, I mean, taking the whole world by storm. I mean, winning the, the USFL championship. I mean, hey, that, that's that's something, right? Uh, small town. Most people haven't heard of it, but it's only up and up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that article is where we spent most of the first segment. Um, and there's it, – it's not – honestly, it's not that long of an article, but – at the bottom of it is just so much that kind of clears up the future for the NCAA. And, and I mean, I've, I've bashed the NCAA for a long, long time. Uh, but a year of NIL, and to this article's credit, pointing out the fact that there's still a lot that we don't know. But in the future with the courts, the, you know, a lot of people probably didn't even realize this. I didn't even realize this is that the NCAA is still having to deal with some court cases such as Johnson v. NCAA, which could uh, award a collective bargaining right. Uh, there could be lawsuits in the future if the NCAA tries to shut down these boosters and collective uh, collectives, and even a situation where there could be a, uh, a path towards athletes getting NIL rights, or excuse me, NIL compensation because of media rights, which is a big portion of this entire realignment. Uh, situation. So, I mean, just in hearing those types of things, what's your reaction to the future of the NCAA with NIL? Well, it's a dumpster fire, you know, <laughs> just like just like it's been the past, you know, year, two years now. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm interested to kind of, you know, take a, a deeper dive into, you know, collective bargaining rights and, you know, because that could, you know, potentially be the end of the NCAA's business model, even though, you know, it looks like that might be coming to an end. Uh, in general, but you know, uh, you know, we, we've we've known about, of course, boosters and collectives for a while now, but we never really thought about them in the way that they could potentially file a lawsuit if they're barred from being able to perform what they're currently doing. Which what they're currently doing is technically not outside the the realm of legality in the NCAA. Um, you know, title, you know, and then the final point, you know, of of this story that you that you brought up, you know talking about Title IX cases against schools that don't offer equal, you know, education resources. You know, I mean, that, that to me, you know, makes sense regardless of NIL. Um, that should be something that's equal because obviously Title IX exists for a reason, and, it's, and one of its primary functions is to serve that, that reason. So, you know, it, it's just, you know, for lack of a better term, it's just a mess. And it's been a mess for a while, and it's not going away anytime soon. Um, anybody that knows me and my political viewpoints, know, uh, you know, like as, as little federal legislation as possible when it comes to people. But right now, you know, with, with something like this, of this massive scale, you can't rely on an NC like the NCAA that's proven its ineffectiveness time and time again 
you can't rely on them to try to get something done. And you also can't leave this up to the states either because then you have inequalities across the board and it creates an unequal playing field for the entire entirety of college athletics. So it's looking like uh, it's looking like things are, you know, are, are, are heading towards that federal legislation. And hopefully we'll have some more politicians that, have, that are of the same opinion as Brett Kavanaugh in there. Uh, that can lambast the NCAA again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I don't think I'll ever forget the way that, that Kavanaugh absolutely eviscerated. Uh, oh, uh, Mason just freaked out. <laughs> Sources say North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC. Oh, my God. You're, you're, you're kidding. You're kidding, right? They must have saw our three-not video from the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 that that's it's from a blue check mark. So take it as you will. <laughs> um, w- one more time is is Florida State, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia. ESPN oh. is apparently trying to avoid their TV deal TV deal with the ACC. See, and those are all the school. Oh now I'm surprised God. to see Duke and North Carolina not together. Uh, but this is you know I was telling you about this the other day, and something that I had read was that. North Carolina and Virginia are really big in this movement because of the value of the fact that they're the two biggest states in terms of population that aren't in the Big Ten or the SEC. So for both of them to join the SEC is a massive, massive win for the SEC. And then Florida State, what what was the other one? Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia. Clemson. And Clemson. And Clemson. Oh, my gosh. And you bring Clemson in, so <laughs> actually solidify South Carolina's rivalry boost Alabama and Clemson's rivalry even this is that brings the SEC up to 20 teams yeah you know if only there was a way Washington have to go to the Big Ten now right have to you know if only there was a way to make a 130 team you know super conference and divide that conference into 12 to 16 teams and have them compete (laughs) if only there was a way that that could happen well I mean what I was talking about in the first segment, because it, it, it spreads further to the NCAA's ineptitude, is the fact that the NCAA can't regulate any of this. The NCAA has no say-so in how these conferences operate and what their TV deals are or anything like that. There's there's no way the NCAA can step in and be like, hey, can we not <laughs> can, can we not no. destroy the Pac-12 and the ACC, please? Uh, I mean, this now leads – I mean. The SEC is at 20 projected teams if they got all four of them. Uh, we've we've heard plenty of the Big 12 is in conversation with these Pac-12 teams. Doesn't mean they're going to get them because we know the Big 10 is also in conversation with many of those Pac-12 teams. And so many schools are waiting to see what Notre Dame does. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're still looking at a situation where you're going to get down to either two or three conferences, and it is kind of determined by whether – the ACC or the Big 12 can survive, and the ACC, if this happens to them, is a major, major death blow. Well, you know, even with those, and, and what's to stop, you know, with, if these four teams just hypothetically down the road, they join the SEC, what's going to stop a team like Miami or, or Duke, you know, the, the teams that have two of their, just saw two of their biggest rivals head to the SEC, what's going to stop them from also wanting to join the conference and bringing it up to 22 teams? You know, it's 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 whole slippery slope. Obviously, began with Texas and 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 uh, and 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 um, I'm sorry, Oklahoma coming to the SEC, and now of course you have USC and UCLA, which was kind of a result of that, saying, "Well, if they can move, we can move. We want better TV rights as well." 
and it's it's just a matter of this is this is just the reality now. Now the question is, okay, when does this stop or when does this end? And you know, if we keep having these teams move around, it's not going to end anytime soon until we have a we go from a power five to a power two or a power three, and then then you have to sit and think about, okay, well, we we wanted to expand the college football playoff, but now we only have these three conferences. How are we going to play conference championships? How is postseason going to be struggled in football? How is postseason going to be you know structured in in basketball and all the other sports, it, 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 this this raises a lot more questions than just okay, how's the schedule going to look? You know, that this raises a lot more uh, issues and concerns other than just that. And Mason has pointed this out. Okay, this is from a blue check mark, uh, but nobody has aggregated the story yet. So, like, if you Google it, this is the only thing that's going to pop up. But he literally uh, tweeted it at nine thirty nine this morning. Uh, but he writes for an article called Swim Swam News, which I've never heard of, but it's got 112,500 followers and is verified in its own right. It's about swimming coverage, which I would imagine has a lot to do with, uh, with, with collegiate athletics. So not everything's set in stone just yet, but it's starting to make the rounds a little bit more. And as I mentioned, uh, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia talking to the SEC is not the same as saying, like USC and UCLA did, that they are leaving the ACC. So, uh, nonetheless, you talk to the SEC, you're probably joining the SEC. This is who the SEC is uh, interested in. They're probably going to get what they want because they've got the money. <laughs> they've got the competition. Yeah. They've got everything that you could possibly want. Well, you, you mentioned the, the college football playoff, and that's something that's been a long time arguing uh, yesterday was that maybe we should have seen this coming because of the fact that you know, the alliance was born for no reason other than to stagnate that. But even even though the SEC wanted to move forward, I think uh, Greg Sankey wanted to move forward with expansion. We know that expansion is coming, but to to sit by the contract and say, let's keep it at, until 2025 and then revisit it, and now looking and seeing where all of these media contracts are starting up, it gives time for all these schools to get in a landing spot revamp college football from the ground up when it comes to these conferences and then look and see what would actually make sense for the college football playoff moving forward. What do you think about that? No, I mean, it's, it's almost, it's almost kind of a grassroots campaign on the, in a, in a way, <laughs> yeah. even though we don't think of these schools as, as small entities and, and they aren't, um, it, this is change from the ground up, you know, that instead of, you know, these schools and these, these uh, conferences are, so tired of the ineffectiveness of the NCAA, you know, the ineptitude of their leadership and the problems that they've had for not just the past couple of years, but for decades and decades. And so now they're taking those powers into their own hands. And so on top of that, you, all, you also, of course, have the TV contracts, which is, of course, is a huge motivating factor. And it's the majority of a lot of, of I'm pretty sure it's, it's the majority of, of athletics revenue right now. Mm. Um and of course, when you use that motivating factor, say, "Hey, you know, you can stick in. We can stay in this conference, you know, and have that conference loyalty that we've had for decades, but we're not going to get paid. Or we can, and we'll have to year in and year out compete with these other institutions that are getting far more funding and have a lot better resources because of those TV contracts. Or you have the option, you know, to to you know pick up your pick, you know, pack your bags and head on somewhere else and enjoy those benefits. And if you're wanting to enjoy those benefits, then obviously that's the right call." And, you know, but like I said, it's kind of like this, we don't like to think of it as a grassroots campaign, but that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, it's starting from the bottom and trying to rechange, you know, reorder the power structure. 
from from the individual schools rather than letting the NCAA dictate, you know, what's going on and, and who gets paid what and who should stay where they should stay. Talking with Joey Blackwell at Blackwell Sports on the Twitter account, beat writer for Bama Central site, uh, or excuse me, the Sports Illustrated affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide here on Off the Edge. I'm Jacob Harrison on Tide 100.9. A big question out of a lot of this is the fact that the I've advocated for a lot of these evolutions and to rework the conference realignment, I think can be a positive step towards the overall health of college football. But one I didn't, I never in a million years thought it would be this drastic and doing it this way may help the national side of college football get to where it's going which can be a positive. It means more money for everybody. It means more money for the athletes. That's not a bad thing. But what makes college football college football in a big, big way is the regional aspect of it. You alluded to it. It's almost like there could be a way to split these teams up evenly among all 130 (laughs) schools. But in doing this, if you get down to, to two, three, four, however many conferences are able to survive and mold out of this, is that ultimately dangerous to college football just because you might take out that regional aspect or can it survive because of the way the sec is going about it no i i think it's i mean i think it's a sustainable model you know i think it can survive i mean obviously like you like you just said you know it kind of removes the regional aspect when you have teams like usc and ucla joining the the, the, the Big Ten, you know, we don't know, you know, obviously most all the SEC teams still as of right now, even with those four teams we just discussed at the SEC, it still is the Southeast. So there still is that regional aspect to it. But at the same time, uh, I, I, the, the feasibility wouldn't come at the NCAA level to me. The feasibility would, would make me curious as to the smaller schools. You know, when you see it, when USC and UCLA initially announced their, their, you know, their, heading over to the Big Ten, one of the biggest questions was, what about all these teams that have to compete week in and week out, like baseball or softball, that will now have to fly a lot over you know, to the Big Ten, which obviously that's, a, that's roughly, I think, around a five-hour flight. So that's not something you'd want to do week in and week out. But it's something that you know we'd have to sit and, and think about. Um, I think, but then again, you know, if there are two or three conferences, TV contracts would no doubt be mega um, uh, mega money we're talking about here um, that would be able to fund that. But it's just we have to think about also the student athletes at the end of the day and their health. We have to think about, of course, I know we were talking about NIL earlier. We have to think about how that plays into the whole thing. If, if regional regionality is thrown out the window, but um, you know, I think the fan bases are still the fan bases, and they're not going anywhere, and they're going to you know still stick with their teams that are right there. So you know, it's not like just because. The conference is bigger. It's not like we start to see fans go away. The fans are still going to be loyal to their local team, and it doesn't matter who they're playing. Interesting. In, in talking about the smaller sports, uh, I to me, I think either you can restructure the way those schedules work, or if they can't survive, man, we'll just watch your sport at the World Games every four years. You know, like it, it kind of, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's evolution. It's Darwin's law. It's it's survival of the fittest. You, you got to be able to do what you got to be able to do, and. Sometimes sacrifices have to be made, and the fact of the matter is football makes so much money. But even with with, with that kind of standing out there the way that it does, I wonder about smaller programs. I wonder about those teams that don't put as much value into football. I mean, we, we, we were talking a lot about the potential of teams that could join the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, and I, I had mentioned I didn't think 
North Carolina and Duke would ever split up. Uh, Mason made a pretty good joke about Duke's too snooty for the SEC and wants to be in the much smarter Big Ten. That's pretty good. Uh, but if that's the case, my mindset would be I'd rather have Duke, which is pretty viable at most sports and elite at one, than to have a Vanderbilt who is not good at anything except for baseball. You know, I mean, they're marginal at basketball. I'm not going to give them take everything away from them. But I mean, it's are those kind of schools in danger? Is is a Rutgers or a Maryland are, are in danger in the Big Ten or some of these schools in the Pac-12 in danger of not finding a power conference home? Do do you think there's a risk for some of these teams to eventually be kicked out of the power conference when this is all said and done? Uh, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, part, you know, part of me thinks, you know, part of me thinks, uh, obviously, that if you are a small institution, I think Vanderbilt's a prime example. Vanderbilt's a prime example in the SEC. Obviously, you know, uh, uh, you, you'd like a team like Vanderbilt to stay, but you have to sit and think about what a team like Vanderbilt contributes to the conference outside of, Academics, you know, they they don't necessarily contribute a lot on the on the athletic front. So you'd hate to see a team like that go away. You'd hate to see a team like Louisville, you know, um, leave the ACC and head to the Big Ten, but then be proven to you know not last very long there just because of all the juggernaut programs they're stacked against. But you have to say this: these teams have existed for so long in their respective conferences, even with you know an ACC. Obviously, you do have those teams like. Duke and, and, and North Carolina and Clemson that are all, you know, fantastic at different sports, Miami and Florida State. And Louisville's been able to hang right there with them. Louisville obviously also has a very solid basketball program. While they might not be the best on the football front since Lamar Jackson, um, they, they, they still do have a solid basketball program. And same in the SEC. You have a team like Vanderbilt who really hasn't competed in a lot of sports outside of baseball, um, has still been able to, to hang with the big guys. You know, they've been able to last a very long time. So, I'm not necessarily worried about them getting pushed aside, but at the same time, you have to think about what if these conferences get too big and they need to make cuts. You'd hate for teams like that to be cut, you know, kind of like European football be relegated to a to a smaller division um, just because of, of of not just because of failure or success, but because there's too much at the top and there needs to be some trimming. So I don't see that happening, but at the same time, a lot of the stuff that's happened these past couple of years has been entirely unpredictable. So it's kind of hard to really predict what's going to happen on that front. We made mention of it earlier, so much of this. And again, even with, even if, uh, and if you missed it, I, this is a, a pretty wild thing where, uh, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are in talks uh, reportedly of, about joining the SEC. But so much of even those four schools, so much about uh, what Oregon and uh, Washington are waiting on, the Big Ten and the SEC and the ACC as conferences are waiting on is Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is in such a, a, a interesting spot because they create so much value by themselves they have their own media contract with NBC where all of their games are featured there and in prime time usually. And the rest of their athletics are all a part of the ACC, which if it loses these four schools to the SEC is going to be in serious, serious danger. Uh, Cause there's a lot of natural rivalries that exist in the Northern half of the ACC that could very easily just join the big 10. What do you see Notre Dame doing? There's so many people in the Notre Dame fan base and in in their culture that think that they don't need to join a conference, but if where we're headed with college football, maybe they'll be persuaded to do so. Maybe there's more money 
being a part of the Big Ten. What do you see Notre Dame doing and, and how the chips fall once they make that decision? I think ultimately Notre Dame should go to the Big Ten. Um, I think not only are they does it fit for them regionally, um, they have a lot of history with a lot of teams there as well. They play a lot of Big Ten teams like Michigan State and Michigan, and, and they also play U.S. every year with the Big Ten team. Um, so, you know, I, I really think that I really think that that they should join the Big Ten, and and I really think that they can still make some luc- uh, make lucrative TV contracts with that conference. I don't see them joining the SEC. I don't see them fully joining the ACC, even though they have roots there. Um, I think the Big Ten would honestly be the best fit for them. And once that you know once that chip falls, um, I think we're going to see a lot of not not just independent schools, but a lot of other schools kind of have their path chosen for them kind of like how you know a couple of years ago during 2020 during the pandemic we weren't sure if we were going to have college football and because the pac-12 and the big 10 said that they initially they weren't going to have seasons and then everybody all eyes were turned to the big 12 to see what their decision was going to be the big 12 decided they were going to have football the sec followed suit and then of course then we had the pac-12 and the big 10 later um, have their abbreviated schedules so it's a very similar situation to that just on a, a smaller scale when it comes to um, the, the the size of the institution, but no doubt wherever ultimately, where ultimately wherever Notre Dame decides to go, I think once that decision is made, we are going to see a lot of whiplash uh, to follow after that. On the West Coast, uh, AJ Spur and I talked a lot about how viable the Pac-12 is. Yesterday, I put the death knell in them. I don't think the Pac-12 yeah. can survive this. Uh, but what's interesting is it wasn't so long ago that I felt the same way about the Big 12, but the Big 12's aggressiveness in targeting pretty much the entire conference to come join them, and and honestly, the, the foresight for themselves to have picked up the group of five programs that they have, the Pac-12's only real options are to go after teams that they have shunned in the past and have not even acknowledged uh, mainly because of academics, but the teams like Boise State and UNLV and San Diego State, which only one of those really sounds very enticing. Those are the kind of schools, Fresno State, those are the kind of schools that they're going to have to entertain to replace USC and UCLA, which would be the same effort as the Big 12 replacing Texas and Oklahoma with what they have. Would it be at all feasible for the Pac-12 to try to do that, to stay alive, go after those group of five schools, or... Should they kind of just accept? Their, I mean, obviously they're not going to do this uh, willingly, but accept their fate and practically merge with the Big Twelve and become uh, a power conference that competes with the other two power conferences that are emerging on the East Coast. If I'm the Big Twelve, I'm, ta- I'm sorry. If I'm the Pac Twelve, I'm taking whatever I can take right now. Um, and I agree with you. I think we are we are seeing the end of the Pac Twelve. Um, I don't how they can recover they they could recover from just usc and ucla leaving but if we see schools like oregon and we see schools like washington and then other schools of that caliber if we see more than half of their schools that were the majority of their revenue bringers depart to other conferences i don't see how they last there's also teams like arizona um who provide a lot of money softball contracts and and also football, not maybe recently, but they do have a, a solid, historically decent football program. Um, so, you know, I and basketball, obviously. But um, I don't see the Pac-12 lasting. Um, that's just the hard truth. Um, I think their best option is to try to merge with a conference like the Big 12. 
bring all of their member institutions and create, you know, a, 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 a super conference in that regard that can compete with the 16 to 20 teams of the SEC and the Big Ten. But it, if they if they can let pride get the best of them and they try to get smaller institutions, then I think that's inevitably going to be their downfall. You remember this time last year when we were talking about pods just for Texas and Oklahoma? <laughs> I mean, if, Al- if, if the SEC pulls it off and brings all these schools in and gets 220, I mean – it, it, it the the full evolutionary scale of college football at that point i mean do you even bother with divisions at that point I, you throw all those hey play the whole sec in four years home and away throw that out the window that's just not happening i the, the structure of the sec at 20 teams i mean like it, it's kind of daunting isn't it yeah no it absolutely is i think if you have 20 teams i think you divide it into this is just me flying off the you know, flying off off the top of my head. I think if you have 20 teams, you divide it into four or five team divisions, and then you have to have the conference championship be a playoff. You have to have the top of the winners of each division play each other one weekend and then have the conference title, the the next championship in Atlanta the next weekend. Um, That's the only way that I see that it's feasible with with that many teams. Um, You can, of course, you know, still have the top two teams and two, I guess, two 10-team divisions, or you'd have, um, kind of like the ACC does it, just have the top two teams. But in the SEC, you're inevitably going to have a lot of tiebreakers. <laughs> you're going to have two, three programs that only have one loss or, or are undefeated. And so that, 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 that brings those questions into fact. And then how does that factor into the college football playoff and how that works out? Um, uh, hmm. unless, unless we, we're going to start seeing a lot with this conference field is expanded and that's how the SEC is divided up. I think we're going to see a lot more SEC teams in the college football playoff that didn't get a shot at the title game, that conference title game. So, Well, and, I think that's, that's interesting. I, I, I feel like a couple of weeks ago we talked uh, something similar. Uh, if it wasn't you, it was AJ, and I apologize for it, but <laughs> where, where it was have somewhat of a pseudo-tournament for the conference titles, and then those conference winners go to the playoff. And that, by proxy, expands the playoff without actually expanding it. So if these conferences can kind of exist at 20 teams and you have four of them, I think, first of all, that's a, a pretty good number. 80 power conference schools. I think that is a solid number. I think that is much more reasonable than 132. I think we're at now, uh, (laughs) but it, you kind of have that, you know, you play every team in your division, you play one in each other division, you get to your tournament, you win the the conference, you go to the playoff and, and it, it really can be that simple. But again, the problem exists that the NCAA does not have, the power of structure and the NCAA or excuse me, the college football playoff doesn't really have much interest in delving down into the conferences at that scale either, but it's a bizarro world of college football that we live in now. Well, I know one thing they're very glad that they didn't uh, finalize a new schedule at the meetings. I know they're oh, very yes. glad. That <laughs> <laughs> They'd have had to revisit that anyway. Joey, we're out of yeah. time, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thank you, Jacob. Absolutely. Joey Blackwell helping us out there at Blackwell Sports on the Twitter account. Beat writer for Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll come back, close down the show here on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. This is a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. I'm Aiden Dollins with your Tide Sports update. Five-star running back Richard Young has included Alabama in the top three schools he's considering. 
former Alabama and now Texas Longhorns running back Keelan Robinson has said that he thinks Texas can beat Alabama this year and has sold his championship ring from his time in Tuscaloosa. And Bryce Young has been named the SEC Male Athlete of the Year. This has been a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 Sports Update. For more info on these stories and more, download the Tide 100.9 app. Follow Off the Edge on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for live streams and instant analysis. Off the Edge with Jacob Harrison continues. All right, let's close down a Thursday edition of Off the Edge. I mean, it's not being widely reported, right? The the Pete families of the world have not confirmed that this is something that is going to happen or that even the SEC is negotiating with these schools. But it is a blue check mark from a verified source, uh, at least within the Twitter world, somebody that should have knowledge of it. We'll continue to follow it. And the point of the, the, the entire thing is that if these are the four schools that the SEC is interested in to get to 20 teams, they A, make sense, and B, if the SEC wants them, they're getting them. Point blank simple. The Big Ten's getting everybody they want as soon as Notre Dame makes its decision, right? But according to Braden Keith, a uh, verified reporter uh, of Swim Swam News, which is a swimming art, uh, <laughs> 112,000 followers that site does have, and it is also verified, which would have a lot to do with college athletics. North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, all negotiating to join the SEC. ESPN is trying to void the TV deal with the ACC, which is something that Mason had mentioned to me. The ACC's got a a pretty weird and awful TV deal that can really handcuff a lot of these schools that are going to leave the conference. Let's be honest. Going to leave the conference. The ACC is in a boat, I think that is going to be very similar to the Pac-12s, if not just a tad bit more volatile and dangerous. But nonetheless, that's going to do it for us today. The Jay Parker Show is up next. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m. for another edition of Off the Edge on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid summer afternoon. A few spots could see a thunderstorm through the evening hours. The high today, 95. Tonight's low, 76. For tomorrow, partially sunny. A chance of scattered afternoon thunderstorms again. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. We aren't going anywhere. Off the Edge is available in the Podcast Center. On Tide100.9.com.